We have a lot to talk about this week with our roundtable. When do we not? <laughs> so let's get right to it. All right. First, we need to tell you who is with us. A bunch of all-stars this morning. H.T. Smith is a veteran Miami attorney, civil rights leader, and a law professor. Anthony Mann, Tony to his friends, is a veteran political reporter for the Sun Sentinel. And Ed Pizzoli is president of the law of the Trip Scott Law Firm in Fort Lauderdale and a big voice in Republican Party politics. To all of you, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Great, great to have you come in. All right, so um, Ed Pizzoli, let me ask you, um, the politics, storm politics, hurricane politics, the dynamic of the Senate race, the governor's race, really has changed because of this terrible tragedy in the panhandle. Sort of lay it out for us. Who benefits, who doesn't? I mean, does the governor, because the governor's been on TV a lot, does he pick up some support because he is seen as a leader? Well, unlike Irma, that affected the entire state, this was really a strong, powerful, devastating storm, but it impacted a small section of the state. And frankly, I don't think it helps, you know, from a political standpoint, everywhere other than the affected area or that, that TV area in the panhandle. Most of uh, that area is probably going to lean toward Governor Scott anyway, anyway in, the, yeah. in the Senate race. So I don't, I don't think that this was a, a, a major impact or will have a major impact on this race. The one thing it did do is it probably turned off the race, basically simmered down the race for about a, a timeout. Right. right. Well, for two the or debates three or four have been days. canceled this coming week. Right. There were debates there right. off the books. Yeah, although, well, although HT, the um, there was every there were candidates there from every race looking for television time, and that's kind of some. It's uncomfortable because they're damned if they do, if they're damned if they don't. If they're not there, they're not doing their job. If they are there, they're looking for photo ops. Well, we need to stop for just a moment, and I'm sure I speak for everyone to say we extend our condolences to the families yes. of yes. the 18 or 19 who died. I lived uh, through Hurricane Andrew in 1992, yeah. woke up, I could not recognize my community. That's right. what they're yes. seeing in Mexico beaches and places like that. Yes. Also, our first responders, how proud should we yeah, be of we them? Are. No matter where there's a disaster, they're the there. first thing we know, Miami-Dade, Miami firefighters right. are there. And saving lives. And Davey. Absolutely. And they're yeah. there. All these places. They elevate our humanity because they represent us. Now, with regard to the question that you asked, I was really proud of the fact that Governor Scott, uh, Mayor Gillum and uh, Senator Nelson all stopped the politics and reached in and tried to help. Now, Andrew Gillum is my friend. I was really happy. He put on boots and gloves and, I, and a chainsaw. chainsaw. Took on a chainsaw <laughs> and, and actually went to work, right. not just providing leadership. But I, I must say I agree with Ed. I, I really, it always looks good to lead in times of trouble. Mm -hmm. But I think he's right as I thought about it, that it'll probably just affect that area, which is already leaning towards Scott anyway. Yeah, Tony Mann, uh, Ron DeSantis continued, I mean, he did uh, help bring some relief supplies and did some work for the hurricane victims, but he continued his campaign, and he also continued to run, or the Republican Party of Florida, continued to run a really nasty attack ad against Gillum. Was that the right thing to do, or is that effective? You know, it's the kind of thing that we didn't see in the past, but we're in a different era in politics mm -hmm. now, and I'm not sure that voters in the rest of the state are going to be as concerned about uh, this as media elites and political elites are. From both sides of the aisle, I mean, there's been some, uh, some condemnation of DeSantis, but 
I'm not sure that people in South Florida are going to be uh, upset or that turned off that uh, he continued doing that. What yeah. about Senator Nelson? I mean, he, I, I know he's at Kendall Air Force Base today. Um, he has a role. He has What's displayed that? leadership. What role is that? Uh, that he, the role is he is a U.S. senator, just despite your party affiliations. I mean, here's a U.S. senator who is at the Air Force Base today. He's got a military background. He is not always as visible as the others. Is that an issue, that visibility? Well, set aside the hurricane. I don't mind him going to Air Force Base and doing an event there doing to try to figure out what happened to that Air Force Base, which was, by the way, devastated by it. But, that was the eye. But that was the, the eye, eye right? right yeah. But yeah. the real question about Senator Nelson is, you know, 30, 40 years of public service and nothing to show for it. So when you say he's not as visible, that's true. For 40 years, he's not as visible because he hasn't done anything. And that's essentially the reason why I think people are going to look to replace him come November. Well, you know, I was really happy because you have Republicans talking about the fact that here's a guy who is not exciting, hasn't done anything. I really love his new commercial where he talks about being strapped into a four and a half million ton rocket shot into space. People then remember this is an unsung courageous hero who is humble about what he's done. He's not out there bragging. He's there to help and he's getting, doing help. Getting people a job is more important. I think Rick Scott's record he runs on as governor far outseeds the fact that uh, Bill Nelson once went to space, to be blunt, HT. Well, Tony? And in terms of the hurricane, yes. Senator Nelson is doing everything he should do as a, a U.S. senator, and he's showing up at the scene, he's expressing his concern. Right. Uh, the same as Governor Scott is doing what he's supposed to right. be doing. Right, well, and he is also saying to people who have small businesses that were destroyed, here's how you apply for loans. I mean, he, and by the way, he and Senator Rubio jointly have said we've got to get Air, Tyndall Air Force Base back functioning because that the planes, the F-22s up there, are the key air-to-air uh, -air, uh, fighter jet of the, of the Air Force. Well, Tony it, said it just right. We have the, these people who are running for office who are doing what they can do and what they're supposed to do, whether it's the senator doing what he needs to do, the yeah. governor doing what he needs to do, yeah. or the mayor of Tallahassee doing what he needs to do. We need more of that in office and running for office. Yes. Politics of Michael, more when we come right back. Stay tuned. Hurricane Michael. <laughs> we are in the midst of the round table with three real heavyweights here, Ed Pizzoli. No reference to your weight, Ed. Tony H.T. <laughs> Smith. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, no, no, hey, I'm sorry. That, Don't take that personally. <laughs> well, let's, let's move on to a really serious subject, and that is the governor's race and appealing to the Jewish vote, it is extremely, I mean, 650,000 Jews live in Florida, roughly, a lot of them in South Florida. This morning, Tony, uh, Ron DeSantis, or this afternoon, right about now, Ron DeSantis is at a synagogue out in Plantation, and you covered Andrew Gillum at a synagogue earlier this week. It really shows how important this is to both candidates. Uh, Gillum wanted to refute uh, suggestions, allegations from the DeSantis campaign that uh, he has people close to him who are anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. and uh, Including Chris King. Yes, and he came out very forcefully and talked about his long, long ties to the Jewish community. And Chris King has come on, yes. been out very directly uh, refuting 
questions raised about what he said uh, when he was at Harvard. Ago. Yeah, he, Harvard. he was on this program, in fact, and refuted it, uh, yeah. I thought, uh, pretty strongly. But, but you know, the, the Jewish community in South Florida, anywhere, it's not a monolithic vote right. by Absolutely. any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely. And HT, you, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I just to wanted to say that more convincingly for me uh, was uh, what rabbis said about what Andrew Gillum did when he was a commissioner working with the Jewish community to establish the sister uh, relationship between Tallahassee and a city in mm -hmm. Israel and how he's gone to Israel several times after that and worked with the, the Jewish community. <coughs> yeah, but, uh, Martin but Sanders big, has a very strong record on str Israel. Huge, I mean very strong, un well. unflinching, right? So the, so the big issue for Andrew Gillum really comes down to who works, who has been surrounding him and their leanings toward, how would I say, uh, the Palestinian side of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I mean Andrew Gillum was quoted in saying that when President Trump announced the move of the embassy to Jerusalem that it was an unnecessary provocation. So unnecessary provocation to do, to move the embassy to Jerusalem uh, and do what every president since George Bush Sr. wanted to do, President Trump did, and then Andrew Gillum says, unnecessary provocation. I, well, you to know, me, a lot, a lot that of people, sort of spells actually, it out. a lot of people felt like that, that there mm -hmm. was a, a split of I that. I mean, I have Israeli friends who said, felt it was but, but a look, provocation, but I know he time, said American not, policy, not the move, but the American policy has been every president, including Obama, including Clinton, yeah. all, all said that the capital of the embassy belongs in Jerusalem. Right. And the so, bottom line is, is that is that that is something where Andrew Gillum got waffly neat on. And the consideration is who's in his ear and why is he leaning well, uh, away from the state of Israel? Well, I, I'm not surprised at all by this dissenting tactic. You remember the day after Gillum secured the nomination, DeSantis said, let's not monkey this up. Then he said he's a radical. Then he said he's a socialist. Then he says anti-Israel. Now he's saying he's corrupt. I wouldn't All be right. surprised if he charged a, a raping children before the election. Oh, well, oh. Ho hold on, H.C. Let me show, let's show the people at home a little bit of the ad that is running that I referred to earlier and Tony did as well. I mean, this, if we could run it, is really a, I think, kind of a vicious, I know, finding the line, what's appropriate, what's not, what goes over it. But this ad in which he says, uh, the uh, DeSantis campaign says, the FBI is after Gillum and that he is not just radical but also corrupt. Um, I mean, I think this, I frankly think this goes over the line. And the, I know the Gillum campaign wrote television stations like this one and said, you must take this off the air. Well, we have not taken it off the air, and no other station has taken it off the air either. Uh, uh, Ed, do you think that if, if there is the line, this goes past the no. line? No, this is something that, and this, frankly, if you speak to some of the Democratic opponents in the primary that Gillum beat, they were upset that they didn't run some of this. So the idea that there's an invest, ongoing FDI investigation is just a, simply a fact. Um, he is not a subject. Uh, but he is intimately involved. He released records that were redacted poorly, frankly. They can't identify who paid him what money. He released, so, he released some receipts, but so, not all But receipts. they redacted them. And, and when you look at the redactions, they were done so poorly, you can sort of piece together some of it. And there's about a $20,000 to $40,000 issue about where some of that money came. And the Gillum campaign has refused to answer you know, it. That's the first thing. Second thing, on, on the radical piece, you ask your friends 
who, in, your, in your viewing audience in Venezuela and in Cuba who come from those places, who understand the creep of what you would call socialistic policies, whether it's an increased taxing, a takeover of, of a, the healthcare system, this moves oh, us to socialism. We're talking about Well, corruption. that's what he's talking about. I'm, I'm dealing things, with the other piece of it. I agree with Ed that he's not a subject of the investigation, and he's not a target of investigation. There are only three categories. If you're not a target, <clears throat> subject, you're a witness, and that's what he is. Secondly, uh, police chiefs have uh, come on with a commercial saying that DeSantis ad is, and they say, a lie. All Democrats. I believe All them. Democratic All right. well, hold on for a second, please. Um, I asked, <laughs> well, we're going to take a break. When we come <laughs> back, we're going to run a soundbite from uh, Ron DeSantis. I asked him on Thursday, Friday of this week, rather, uh, does he stand by this ad? You'll hear his answer when we come back. I, I can guess. Continuing now, our roundtable live in the studio. And uh, before the break, I said I had spoken to Ron DeSantis on Friday when he received the uh, endorsement from the Broward Sheriff's Deputies Association, the union out there, 1,300 deputies, uh, endorsed him. And I asked him about this ad that we had just shown you a little bit of uh, that calls Andrew Gillum corrupt and under investigation. And here's what uh, Ron DeSantis had to say. Do you stand by that end? 100%. Uh, the fact of the matter is, he went on these junkets. He did. He didn't pay for that. He claims he paid $400 to stay four nights in a luxury Costa Rica villa, $400 cash. Now, I can't even stay in the Holiday Inn Express down the street for four nights for $400. So it doesn't even pass the laugh test. But the guy he supposedly paid, Adam Corey, has said that he never received any money for it. So he's not answered basic questions about this. All right, H.T., you are a Gillum supporter. On this program, four or five months ago, you said he was going to be the nominee. You support him. What, what would be your response to Mr. DeSantis? My response to Mr. DeSantis is this matter is under investigation and there's going to, by the FBI, and the FBI will do a full and fair investigation and reveal all of the facts to the people. Until then, just as we've heard from other political leaders, he's presumed innocent. He's not a subject, nor is he a target. Let's talk about the fact, the issues that are affecting the people of Florida. So you, you know what the, the problem is here is we're talking about commercials as if they are news reports. These right. are sell ads, and this campaign has been nasty. Tony, in, in news reports, the tone is much different. The facts are there. You've reported on it. And the context doesn't come through in ads is one of the biggest things. And it really shows how nasty, as you said, this campaign has become and how polarized the public is. And there are appeals... Uh, I think you could fairly say in the DeSantis ad there are some, you know, racial suggestions there, and uh, you know it really is a it, it's troubling about the way this uh, this yeah. nastiness has evolved. Uh, we are a divided country. It's reflected in our politics. Um, let's move on if we can to can the I make penny one, text. Can I yeah. make one point before jump in on, on the on that piece though? If if put aside. If it was Buddy Buddy McKay when he ran, it was Buddy, you're a liberal, yeah, and it, and you know, and part of some of that, and and if someone was under a federal investigation or subject to it, or or there was a controversy around that person, that would always be something that a political opponent would always bring up, regardless of color or race. So let us not jump to that race card, because normally in politics, all of those things are fair game. 
Well, I'm not sure who jumped to the race card first. Wait, uh, that's maybe, what I'm saying. Uh, maybe Congressman DeSantis did the day after the uh, primary. Certainly, that's what the Gillum people think. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they do. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to this penny tax proposal in Broward County and Tony Mann this morning. I know there's a firewall, people got to understand, a firewall between the editorial page and the newsroom. So you're not dancing to the tune set by our friend Rosemary O'Hara <laughs> uh, at the, the Sun Sentinel. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, do you think the votes are there to pass this in, in Broward? I think the votes probably are there to pass this in Broward. There are some tactical reasons. It was politically probably smart for them to put it on a, a, a general election ballot. It's probably going to get a lot of uh, Democratic uh, excitement and Democratic turnout. And Broward is trending, has been trending since the time uh, Ed was uh, leading the Republican Party, has been going more and more Democratic. There is not an organized opposition to this referendum. Uh, you weren't able to have uh, opponents to it uh, with you in the interview just uh, earlier in the program mm -hmm. the way you normally would have yes, because there isn't an organized opposition to yeah. it. Yeah. I checked with the, uh, the Koch brothers sponsored Americans for Prosperity when they came out in favor of the Hill, came out against the Hillsborough County tax increase referendum right. and they have no plans to try that yeah. in Broward. Well the opponent, the opponent Ed Pizzoli is the editorial page of the Sun Sentinel. I mean, they rip apart this plan in this editorial today. I, I, I don't tend to agree with the Sun Sentinel editorial, but on this one I actually do. There are three things that bother me most. They say transportation is a priority. Broward County government spends $150 million on transportation according to their budget line item for this year. But that's a two point of a $2.7 billion budget, Michael. So if it's a priority, it's not reflected in the budget, first thing. Second thing is they're asking for 30 years. Right. 30 years. Why not do five? We, we talked about this before we came on. HT made a, HT, I'll give HT the absolute credit of it. Why not ask for five years, see how it goes, and then ask for additional time but frame? The mayor actually answered that. Yeah, we, he yeah. said it's a long-term Yeah, but, but they don't have a plan. So I think also think they should have waited for the MPO. The Metropolitan Planning Organization had a transportation, yeah. and they should have waited for that to tell. Yeah, the whole thing is they don't have a plan. Just take light rail. We know for a fact that light rail will get cars off the roadway. Mm -hmm. So where will the light rail go? We don't know. Uh, how much light rail? We don't know. We know buses will take it off. They say we're going to add 300 buses in 30 years. The first year they get $357 million of tax money. How much of that's going to be for buses? You know, every year they can tell us if they don't buy one bus, they can say, well, we promised in 30 years. Right. It's only 25 years now. Also, the, the system, the light rail system they're talking about would run on overhead lines. I mean, that seems like 19th century technology. Right. Yes. And, and that's, a, that's part of the problem. Um, but look, there's no organized opposition for the most part. It's likely to pass. The question I have ultimately is when they get all this money, how many how many spoons in the kind of the, the ice cream jar they're going to be because you've got all those cities wanting to do improvements as well. So you've got all of that mixed in. Well, then you have it on a ballot that's in some municipalities, oh 22 20 pages. pages. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that that's what make people vote no. Yeah, because they get to the end of the or not vote at all if it's at the end of the battle. Tired I mean, through. One other thing I want, to hear, I want to hear from my friend Tony on this. You got and that 10 is, seconds. So okay, oversight, the oversight board. We need a diversity of specialties. We need people with transportation, finance, yeah. law, right. engineering, et cetera. Yeah. We're going to have all political lobbyists and, and, and people politically connected. That's no oversight at all. Good point. We're on it. Good point on which to end. Thank you all very much. Great roundtable.